Welcome to Sonoma Ashram's podcast, Sunday Satsang with Babaji. With great love and respect in my heart, I welcome you to this beautiful Sunday morning. Before we go any further, let's just take a moment to arrive and settle down. So wherever you are, just settle down, find a comfortable place to be. Close your eyes, lighten your mind, invite that peace, calming, cooling sensation in your eyes. Taste that stillness, that calmness in your eyes. Thinking of a beautiful flower opening, relax your facial muscles. As your facial muscles relax, you can almost see the radiance of your face. Relax your neck, shoulders, Spine, soften the belly and get grounded. Imagine the breath rising from that grounding, expanding in your heart, opening the heart lotus. As you breathe out, attention comes back to the navel. Watch the emergence of the breath, opening of the lotus of the heart. And the closing of the lotus. And the third breath. Keep the lotus open in your mind. Detach it from the breath. Each petal of the lotus is perfect. Now we take our attention to the third eye, the center of the forehead. Pause your breath wherever it is for a moment. Your eyes are still. Before you begin to stress out, release the breath. 
and do this pausing of the breath a few times. The moment you pause the breath, you think of your eyes being absolutely still. They could be slightly pulled up and pinned to the center of the forehead. Release the breath before you stress out, but keep the attention in the center of the forehead. In the beginning, there could be a little stress, little tension there. Now relax that. The moment you relax it, you get a glimpse of that bright white light that's almost blue. Keeping the thought, the blue light, or bright white light, keep your mind in the center of the forehead, keep everything relaxed. Softness in the body, no tension in the shoulders or neck or facial muscles. Let the breath come and go as it pleases. Your mind is resting in the center of the forehead. And slowly we open our eyes. Thank you for taking this time. It's good to just sit with you. The search for happiness, meaningfulness of life is eternal. Great traditions have flourished. Everyone is seeking the same thing. Happiness, 
meaningfulness of life, contentment. And as we look, all the traditions, all the great teachers are basically saying the same thing. Then we come into reading the self-help books and this age of the new age. And the, it almost reminds me of a little story like an elephant walking into a gathering of blind people. Everybody touching it. And wherever their hand goes, they feel around a little bit and then try to describe the elephant. Somebody's trying to describe the trunk, somebody legs, somebody tail, somebody's describing the feet. That's what the elephant looks like. Although everybody's touching the elephant and saying what they can perceive, it reminds me of um, like going back to the very beginning. In the beginning. There was a presence, a presence that was absolutely whole, complete unto itself. Nothing was missing. Out of the fullness, a desire rose. Playfulness, out of playfulness, a desire rose. May one become many. Ekoham bahusyam, may one become many. We are the many. We come up, we are born as an individual, we create an identity, we create a story. The story has its struggles, challenges, limitations, difficulties, aspirations, achievements. We create a story. We have problems. Then we try to seek the answer to our problems. But if you look at it, we are identifying with the wrong thing. If we identify with our true self, All these little problems, little stories that we create and we spend our whole life trying to solve disappears.
the other analogy is given. There is a big mirror in which the sun is reflecting in its fullness. Mirror is broken into millions of little pieces. Each piece will reflect the sun in its fullness. Each one of us has that fullness. Just like every little piece of that mirror will reflect the sun in its fullness, that which we are a part of shines in its fullness within us. But we are identifying with our small self. There is a beautiful word in Baba's teachings and in yoga, shil, shil. Shil means modesty. Someone had asked Buddha once, what is the way to achieve the supreme knowledge? In Buddhist language, it's the supreme knowledge that leads to nirvana, to moksha, liberation. Buddha talked about panchashil, means five shields, five modesties. It's the same thing in yoga. If some of you have studied some Patanjali's Yoga Sutra or something like that. The very first one is Yam. In here, people call it Yama, Niyama. Yam, Niyam, Asan. So these are like eight steps of yoga. Yam is the first one. Then there come there are five five yams. What are those five yams? The first one is ahimsa, non-violence. Second one, satya, truth. Third one, asteya. non-stealing. Fourth, Brahmacharya, life of modesty. Fifth one, Aparigra, non-stealing. Now, in Patanjali Yoga Sutra, these are the five yamas. If you ever read some Buddhist scriptures, those are called Panchashila, Panchashila, very close, similar. There is similarity in all these. <clears throat> and I was thinking about this. 
both are guiding us, leading us towards the same thing. All this by following the Shila, following the modesty, we keep our mind pure, clean. If we engage in violence, we engage in lie, we engage in stealing, we engage in living a life of um, indulgence, we engage in wanting something that other has, it keeps our mind convoluted, impure. How to keep our mind clean? How to keep our mind pure? If her mind is not clean, of course, discomfort is going to be experienced. Anger, fear, lust, greed, jealousy, these come and attach. And then we are dealing with trying to solve those problems or problems created by those. Even take the very first one, ahimsa. Nonviolence. It's a big, could be a very large topic. Let's just stick with nonviolence. Nonviolence physical means like not causing physical harm to any. That's a very simple language. Physical violence. There is a violence that happens with our thoughts. And it's not only towards somebody else. We cause violence towards ourselves. Having low self-esteem, doubting ourselves is a kind of violence towards ourselves. how to keep our mind clean, pure, that we can think about something higher. How often do we look at our own thoughts? What am I thinking in this moment? Is this a violence towards myself or towards somebody else? Mahatma Gandhi became Gandhi, father of the nation. He didn't do whole thing. He just practiced two things, ahimsa and satya, truth and nonviolence. Keeping our mind focused on even one thing, nonviolence. can change our life. Begin to look at every thought that you have and just look into those. Is this a violence towards someone else or towards myself? If the mind is clean, clean thoughts arise. First, there is the thought Thought becomes 
word, word becomes action, action leads to habit, habit leads to character, and character leads to the destiny of our life. Thought, word, thought will come, then it will become, it will become a voice. Like thought of, okay, I want coffee. It, the thought will come. The voice will rise, I want to make, make coffee. Third will be the action, I'm going to make coffee. then it becomes repeated action becomes habit. And habit leads to personality. So everything begins with a thought. Thought leads to the destiny. So instead of trying to solve this here in the middle, why not just keep our mind focused on the very origin? Whatever comes in mind becomes a reality. And Baba also used to say, we are very clever. We practice that cleverness with ourselves all the time. I used to say, if not alert, we are tricked by ourselves every moment. We trick ourselves. We know something is not right, or we know this is not the way to do. We keep talking ourselves into it, justifying it, or postponing it, or driven by that impure thought, we keep moving in that direction. So ahimsa, non-violence. Thoughts of negative nature are practicing violence with ourselves. or others. If I'm criticizing myself, that's a violence. If I'm criticizing somebody else, or even thinking negatively about somebody else, because that thought is going to turn into voice and the voice is going to turn into action. Action is going to turn into habit. And habit will make my personality. And it's such a beautiful practice just to, a thought comes in and before we begin to flow into it, just take a step back and look at the thought. It's not your thought. Somebody asked Buddha once, what is the difference between an enlightened being and unenlightened being? He said, Enlightened being knows 
that thoughts come on their own, linger in there for a while on their own, and leave on their own. An enlightened being knows that thoughts come on their own, linger on their own for a while, and leave on their own. An unenlightened being thinks, I am thinking, these are my thoughts, and has the hardest time letting go of those thoughts. You are not your thoughts. Thoughts are guests, visitors, Klingons. Maybe we take a step back and look at the thought. We don't become the thought. We don't own the thought. This in itself can be a very beautiful practice. Even for a week, just make a notation of this. I'm just going to observe my thoughts. Make a practice out of it. Whatever story we have created, whatever thoughts that we Somebody was here the other day and he said, well, I can't sleep. I can't fall asleep. This thing is unresolved and it keeps coming and going round and round and round in my head. I wake up in the middle of the, middle of the night and I just can't shake it off. It happens to us all because we have created this habit of clinging on to the thoughts. Our identity is focused somewhere else. The moment we take our, even entertain, think about this. What are we identifying with? I'm identifying with this little piece of mirror that has created its own story, which is the part of this bigger one. And if we look around in different traditions or even in yoga traditions, you know, there is some people, there is a, the bhakti path, the yoga, the path of devotion, bhakti yoga. What does bhakti yoga really do? What does devotion do? You are thinking about whoever you are devoted to. God, Rama, Krishna, Ma. Your mind is focused on that. You are thinking about that. It's an attempt to keep our mind pure, keep our mind clean from being preoccupied with all these thoughts that come in and running with that identity. 
devotion helps us to go to other direction. In a way, if you look at it, it's very simple and we can make it very complicated. Being a human, text volumes have been written. Scriptures have been written. In all different traditions, there is so much written and there is so much knowledge out there. And the essence, essence of all that knowledge is what you are seeking is within you. You are just identifying your identity is in the wrong place. The day we begin to identify with truly who we are, all the struggle ends. All the struggles end. We identify with the body, now we are occupied with getting old. We all don't know who is born will get old, but there's so much struggle to just stay young and keep looking that way. That's the story we live. So we create conflict, and then try to solve it. I'm not saying anything new, you already know it. But this word shield had jumped up at me at this morning. And I started thinking. And then I saw the similarity of Panchashil in Buddhism and the Yam in yoga. And it's the, if you look in other traditions, you'll find these things. Practice nonviolence. Practice being truthful. Practice being <clears throat> non-attached. Practice having modesty in your life, not indulgence. You'll find these teachings in all the tr different traditions, in one way or another, in a different language. And it's all an attempt to keep our mind clean, pure. We can read about this, we can hear about this, but when it comes to living, it's hard because we are not used to it. Then we need company of those who talk about these things, who, who discuss these things, think about these things, that gives us little support. This is why in Kali Yuga, in this day and age, for spiritual growth, Sangha is very important. The company that we keep, a few people live around us who talk about these things. We sit in their satsang, we sit in their company. That's helpful. So this um, thing that we do every Sunday, 
call it satsang. Satsang is very important. At least we are reminded of these things and it get, gets us out of the rut or usual life that we live in. At least here we can think all about it, you said. Think about your higher self. You're not only your own little drama. There is something more to your life. And if we are able to just take a step back, think about the bigger questions. Why I was born? Where am I going? What am I doing with my life? All of a sudden, this problem becomes less because your mind has gone to something higher. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. Um, maybe you could think about this thing in your mind in the coming week. Observe your thoughts. Without identifying, justifying, without holding on to the thoughts, without saying it's a, just look at it. May that thought not be of violence towards yourself or someone else. A negative thought towards someone else may rise. And if you don't pull it out right away, that thought will become voice. The voice will become action. Action will become habit. Habit will lead to your destiny, personality. I will stop right here. I would love to hear what did you hear. If it made any sense to you, I just... And please feel free to uh, let me know the questions that you have by chatting me. So the first one, Babaji, is what are the small steps we can take to connect to the self without fear of dissolution of the self we think is our own? Can you say that question again? Yes, Babaji. What are the small steps we can take to connect to the self without fear of disillusion of the self we think is our own, dissolution of the self we think is our own. It's a part of balancing. You know, you have to, you live, you have been given this human life. You are somebody's mother, somebody's father, somebody's brother. You got a job, you got a responsibility. Um, that's not the whole thing. Remembrance of that. Baba used to say, oh friend, you are not what, you're not only what you think you are. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our story that we don't see anything beyond that. So it's an act of balancing. Every day, the small step, your daily spiritual practice, whatever it is, whatever it is, just even those three deep breaths or prayers or meditations, doing it every day and not doing it just as a habit. 
maybe you could remind yourself every day before you start your daily practice of meditation is why am I doing it? I'm doing it to connect, to identify with my divinity, with my divine self, which is beyond my story. So in a simple word, the daily spiritual practice that you have, is not just a medicine or a tool to keep your mind a little peaceful. The purpose of your daily spiritual practice is to reinforce your identity with your higher self, with your divine self. Even thinking about that every day that I'm not just my whole, this little story, I'm much bigger part of much bigger thing, gives us a little freedom. So, don't let go of your, what you are identifying with, just but also be in the remembrance of the bigger part. I think that way helps us to balance it. Makes any sense? Yes, Babaji. Questions are coming in fast and furious. Uh, the next one is, is brahmacharya complete celibacy? It depends in what age you are talking about. Um, brahmacharya, if you look at the word really, it's the Brahman. Brahman means the, the divine. Chari means acharan. To live in constant remembrance of the divine. Live in a way that I am in the remembrance of that. Acharan, my, the way to live that leads me towards Brahman. So brahmacharya is a big word. Uh, celibacy could be a part of it. But mostly they in the loosely translated brahmacharya is translated as celibacy. But celibacy again is, um, it just keeps you out of trouble and that's why they have given it so much importance. Thank you, Babaji. Uh, <clears throat> the next question is, when Baba talked about thought, word, action, habit, character, destiny, where does emotion or feeling fit in? Does a thought create emotion or does emotion create thought? Motion or emotion? Emotion. Emotion. As I look at it, I think both kind of play into each other. If you are in a sad mood, then all the sad thoughts come in. If 
are happy mode, all the happy thoughts come in. So, and if the thoughts are of higher nature that you may not experience, so it's a chicken came first or the end. They, they create each other, they play into each other. What helps is if you keep your goal high, if you keep your goal high, then there is help. What, how do we get into certain emotions? And the, particularly the emotions that are not uh, very pleasant. How do we get in there? Because our aim is not high. If our aim is high for our life, we, we are saved from lots of those um, emotions. That's the way I think, that we don't have higher ambition to life. And the highest ambition is to really find our divinity, acknowledge our divinity, not find, acknowledge it. Just because we don't acknowledge it, our potential, then we get caught on the small things. Thank you, Babaji. Uh, the next question is, what does it mean to live a modest life? Moderation. It's the same word. Anything that feels good, one glass is okay. Five glasses will make you lie on the road. There is moderation. So in this day and age, the uh, life of moderation with all our senses is a good life. <clears throat> we are blessed to have everything all around us, but just because we have it, we don't have to indulge in it. That's moderation. And if you don't have it, you are already abstaining. But if you have it and it requires a little discipline to live in moderation. That's why there is such a great importance given to discipline. And moderation could be, it plays a role in all aspects of our life.
our pursuit of seeking fun or feeling good. And we keep going, keep going, keep going. And pretty soon when we realize we have gone pretty far. So it's better to practice mad moderation so I can still enjoy life, but not get in trouble. We get in trouble with ourselves. There's a couple of <clears throat> questions, Baba, about thoughts. And the first one is, if thoughts do not arise in me, where do they come from and where do they go? A master was walking with his disciple. They were walking very nicely. There was a flock of birds that flew overhead. The, the novice looked up, said, Master, Master, where these birds are coming from and where they're going? Master didn't answer. He just grabbed the guy's nose and started twisting. He said, let it go. I don't care where they come from and where they go. Just let go my nose. So where the thoughts come from and where do they go, just know that you don't cling on to them. I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> <laughs> I think it answered it pretty well, Baba. <laughs> Um, here's another one about thoughts. Uh, I appreciate you noting thoughts that go around in our heads in the middle of the night. I have told myself these are only thoughts. Hold my breath to turn off my mind and also use chance to drown out the thoughts. What works best? Can you comment? Yes, the breath works the best. And it really works. If you have a mantra, repeating your mantra in your mind, breathe in for two, three months, hold your breath for two, three months, breathe out, repeating your mantra two, three times. So make it equal. Inhalation, retention, exhalation, retention, inhalation, retention, exhalation, retention. And it could be just even one unit, two unit, three unit, just keep the same unit. And it's very helpful to bring your mind home and help you go to sleep. Whenever mind is like a horse and breath is like the rain. So you can always use your breath to rain the, the mind. There is so much to explore and so much to find that is within our grasp. If we could just take our mind away from what we have talked ourselves into, 
it being so important. Every soul has its own journey. Sometimes we don't have our own problem, but we take on problem of somebody else. Every soul has its journey. And we are in their life for a reason. We do whatever we can, but don't make it our life. We have a responsibility to the evolution of our own soul. That was the reason we took this birth to evolve in this way. We didn't come here just to solve somebody's problem. Somebody take on somebody's problem and it becomes their lifelong work. We do whatever we can, but not make it our whole preoccupation. We play many roles in our life. We are somebody's daughter, somebody's wife, somebody's husband, somebody's father, somebody's friend, somebody's... We put on so many different hats. Which one is us? None of them. So it's also very helpful sometimes to just not identify with any of those hats that we put on several times a day, come back to that pure self. It's absolutely pure. Sitting with that is very helpful in that thought. Thank you, Babaji. piggybacking on what you just said, uh, if we're surrounded by violent-minded people, what are the best ways to not absorb or react to the drama? Mentally, just take a step back. You can create a little shield around you, just like a turtle pulls back in its shell. Hold your breath. And after that, start inhaling the breath, this little exercise that we do. So bring your mind to yourself with your breath. Your mind is flowing towards them. That's why you are taking it in. Let the mind flow towards yourself. And whenever that happens, stop your breath. And then bring your attention to your navel. Take a few deep breaths. Lighten, soften your body, your mind. Do this as often as you can. If you are, can't help being around them, but still you can put these little commas, pauses of detaching, coming back to your own shell, taking a few deep breaths and just cleansing, then again engaging. You have to create your own ritual of claiming yourself back. And this is a beautiful ritual. Stop. Take a step back. Take a deep breath. 
before you said that, Babaji, there was actually a comment that came in that said, Babaji, your teachings help me every day in a situation where my mind suggests a reaction, even in a surprise situation, I can take a step back, not react, not speak and wait. And it is always supportive to the relationship and also my practice. Yes. Whenever you are getting all worked up, tell yourself, stop. After you have, then energetically take a step back. Just imagine, pull your energy back. Take a deep breath. Because when we stop and pull back, basically when we are pulling back, all that energy is coming at our belly, nabhi, navel. That's the shakti, place of the shakti. From where? Just like a umbilical cord we are connecting with all this that's why we are getting all stressed we are through this umbilical energetical umbilical cord we are connecting with that the moment we pull back all the shakti energy comes back in here now what are you going to do that's why let it rise open your heart so you are giving a direction to that energy you are directing the flow of your energy towards your heart so that's why this little practice is so important that no matter where you are, always come back to this little practice, raising the energy from the navel to the heart, opening your heart. When your heart is open, divinity comes and sits on it. You have seen in many traditions, all the gods and goddesses and the Buddhas are sitting on a lotus. And what is that? That's the symbol. What does it, what is it telling us? It's telling us, keep your heart lotus open so the divinity can come and sit on it. Your own divinity, your own divine self comes and sits there, then it overflows. Thank you very much for listening and on a beautiful Sunday morning. Sonoma is a time of allergy. All pollen and everything is blooming. So those who are not here, you are in a good place. It's good here too. <clears throat> so wherever you are, just for a moment, let's uh, all do one little thing together. Close your eyes. Lighten your mind. Soften your whole body. Raise the breath from the navel towards your heart. As you breathe out, bring the attention to the navel. Thank you all very much for taking this time. And please remember, please remember your simple daily 
practice that you have, do not underestimate its power. That little practice that you have is connecting you with your divinity, taking you towards your, your attention towards your divine self, not towards your story you are living. Thank you all.